Hey you, I can hear you, bitch. Um. Oh, we're doing it What up, what up? It's another episode of Two Happy Hoes. This is Rachel coming at you live. And this is Chelsea. We love to see it. <laughs> Did we tell them about our new format? Uh, I, I mean, we did kind of address it in the last one. We were talking about how um, we were going to adopt a new format, but I guess you kind of saw it in the last episode of, you know, us just kind of completing our notable segments like you don't need insist why people are not okay um in this episode we actually are going to focus on our real tea segment so really excited for it um we did have a lot of tech issues just want to put that out there right now we're going to try and edit as best as possible but uh you know no, the girls are there the content is there yes no i will say the Honestly, this is one of my favorites. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I I would love to have them on the show again. I would love to have all our guests on the show again. But I think, like, just talking about respectability and having all Black women yeah. talking about, like... Four dope-ass Black women on one show. Like, what, what more can you want? Right. So, what do you need, honestly, truly? <laughs> So we hope that you all stay tuned. Um, we have a lot of good shit to talk about. We are going to be talking about everything respectability politics today. Um, you know, stuck in the Uncle Ruckus mentality. If you all watch the Boondocks and you understand the reference, if you haven't, get on it because okay. it's unacceptable. Also, um, you know, the sunken place. <laughs> Absolutely. Um but yeah, I guess today we're just going to dive into our two better bitches. And what are you mad about today, Chelsea? I'm mad about two things, really, but one of the things is impacting the other thing. So the thing that I'm like most like, I won't even say mad about, sad, disappointed, upset is that a conference that I was really looking forward to um, was postponed and then it was decided that it's going to be in a virtual format um it was going to be in like the dc area it's a conference with a bunch of black and brown people so it's always a good ass time and i was really looking forward to it because it was canceled last year because of covid so i'm sad about that um like it, it was my re-emergence also a bitch is on the job market and so these conferences are the plug okay and so y'all canceling this conference is messing with my coin okay which leads me to the other thing i'm mad about as to why this conference is canceled because you raggedy ass motherfucking bitches say it who won't wear a fucking mask who won't get vaccinated who won't stop sharing hookahs who won't sit your motherfucking ass down are is the are the reason that my conference is canceled because, you know, this COVID shit was, you know, somewhat, you know, getting under control. We were, we were on the way. 
And then they start having probates because y'all and y'all's genomes got the virus out here <laughs> mutating and shit. Not us talking, uh, speaking biology. Go on. <laughs> and now my conference is canceled and therefore y'all are messing with my coin too. But honestly, like, you 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 be picking and choosing what science you want to believe in and i'm really sick of y'all i really so am true y'all be picking and choosing what science y'all believe in that cmos science but y'all don't believe in this y'all believe in um you know uh i don't even fucking know because y'all be sounding so damn stupid honestly truly um and i don't even like using that word but like really like go get vaccinated for y'all raggedy bitches who was like, I want it to be FDA approved when you don't even know what the fucking FDA is. Um, Pfizer gang, Pfizer is approved. So, so go get in line, bitch. <laughs> Not even don't know what the FDA is. <laughs> like, tell it me is what true. the acronym stand for. They, they know FDA, but what the acronym stand for? Like y'all, y'all want to come up with every excuse under the fucking sun as to why. And, and I get, I get certain I get black people's reservations with it um, as it relates to science, but like you, you can, you can only lean on that for, for so long, read a book, Google something like, wh- what are y'all doing? Because if y'all really was so pressed, y'all wouldn't be in the club sharing hookahs and driving the boat out the same Casamigos bottle and <laughs> walking barefoot um, in your driveway. The hold that Casamigos has on this community. Okay, it has a hold on me too, but listen. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm, it has a hold on. I'm shit talking, but here I am in this pan Panasonic. Okay, so yeah, please, please. like yeah. enough is enough. Like you keep saying you want this shit to end. You don't want to wear a mask. You don't want to sit your ass down if you don't want to wear a mask. You don't want to get vaccinated. You don't even want to get COVID tested. Like j- you are the reason that this shit ain't stopping. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, also the Earth is tired of our motherfucking shit, so she's killing us off. But also, <laughs> y'all are the reason. And actually, that's a great segue into what the fuck I'm mad about because that's 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 all I had to say. I I literally um, at the end of the day, it's like, bitch, whether you believe it or not, why not at least try? especially like I I was listening to to the read today and it's so true it's like if really so Summer Walker sat there and posted on reading her baby (laughs) but like she sat there and said you know posted on her fake not actually fake finsta um how you know people that have been vaccinated need to stay away from her and you know crystal was saying it's like you literally got so much plastic surgery to change your face and got like like a bbl which no shade like i i get it I get it. I understand it. And it's like, you know, do you unless you're a white bitch trying to look like a black bitch. So like, you know, but other than that, do you sis go get that plastic surgery, go feel secure about yourself. Like, I ain't about to sit there and unearth all the reasons why we don't need to get plastic surgery, because that's just not the real ass environment. Regardless, 
nevertheless, I digress. Um, uh, but it's like you're out here getting all of these unnecessary procedures to alter that your is backed by science, literally. And you believe that, but you don't believe a vaccine. But here's my thing. Have y'all, did y'all go to kindergarten? Because if you did, bitch, you're vaccinated. Like if you went to fucking kindergarten, like you're vaccinated. And that's the whole thing. Like people act like their rights are being violated. It's like, bitch, just because you were like two, you you were two and like your, your records were being sent off to the public school system and you were unaware about it. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen, bitch. Like people have always policed our vaccines. So like, I don't know. And honestly, I, I got access to my vaccines. Like, um, or like my list of all the ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I immediately went in. I was like, actually, I'm behind on this. I need this. Exactly. Give it to me. Because you know what? I don't want to fucking die of a preventable, curable, not curable, but preventable fucking illness. Do you know how embarrassing it is these days to die from fucking tetanus, let alone like fucking <laughs> chicken pox? It's like, bitch. But, but you, you, you notice when we were our age, I don't know about you, but I had polio, I had TB, like you notice Ebola. We're all just <laughs> you notice kids don't get chicken pox no more. You know why? <laughs> A fucking vaccine. <laughs> and you know what? I you know let me not say it's embarrassing because there are many. You know what? Let you me recognize. Let me recognize my Western ass privilege because like not everyone has access. But it is embarrassing if you are an Americanized Western ass bitch and you are still and you're getting polio. Like who? You're getting the measles. What? No one wants to hear that shit, bitch. Get out of my face, you sick ass bitch. You know, like I'm done. So, like vaccinations. uh, I. Anyway, anyway, moving on to COVID, but like that is something I'm bitter about because I'm just like, and then the crate challenge, like it, because like, you know, they're like fucking hospitals are booked up. Like there are some doctors that are walking out in protest because like these, these conditions are too much. And like, people are literally putting themselves in harm and risk, like with, these crate challenges or like shit like that and also just like these ideas that like Delta's out here her lambda sisters her gamma sisters all her besties are out here but now which we knew was inevitable COVID-22 is out here like it has been caught like People are out here with some nuanced ass virus who is above our little bitty vaccine that took almost a year to even create. Like no one cares about you, sis. Took like 10 years to create. And And another thing, y'all was like, they developed it so fast. No, they didn't just like go into the lab on Monday and come out with the shit on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Do y'all even know how science works? (laughs) Even if that was some shit that happened, like I, at the end of the day, like, I don't know everything that happens in science or everything that happens with scientists because a bitch failed STEM. However, I think. You did not fail. I did it. 
I didn't So, but I'm just sitting there and I'm like, how are you not believing like people that have been researching? You know what I'm saying? Like vaccines probably have some um, formula or some like um, cocktail of which all vaccines are bred. And so, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but I would I imagine. I, I imagine that something, you know, get on the. I would imagine there's a base. The I would middle. imagine there's a base. Some something. Yeah, I, I would know. imagine there is a base of which all bases of vaccines trust, are made. And I trust the people who have spent their life studying the shit. The same way I hope that y'all trust me with the shit that I've studied. I too push that as well but I also think like even if it was made yesterday I think like at the end of the day science is just literally trying to catch up with the circumstances of today and like yeah you can trust it or not but I think it's one of those things of like I want to best protect myself in any way that I can and I want to, I'm not here for a long time, but I'm here for a good time. But even that long time is at least until I'm 40. That's a whole other decade, okay? I need to live until then. And so, and also not only to do it for myself, to give a fuck about other people. I would wish that, but I don't think people care. So it's one of those things where I at least want <laughs> self. They don't even care about their damn self. Yeah, and so that's why I'm like, at least have self-interest prevail because I I know you bitches don't care about other people or else the police would be abolished. And so, <laughs> and that's just, that's just one thing. So I know bitches don't care about other people. However, at this point in time, at least care about yourself and get vaccinated, bitch. You all the time, love yourself. And so I'm bitter about that, but I'm also bitter... I guess this is part of that, but it's like at the end of the day, I was watching so this explained episode, <laughs> a new one came out because uh, I talked about it last week, and it was about oil, the oil industry, and someone said on there, you know, and it it's true. At the end of the day, it's not really save the earth; it save humanity. Because the earth will save itself. Okay, we, we are not actually going to destruct the earth. Because when we really think about it, we can try and thwart Mother Nature and like poison her and try and kill her softly with all his words, like as much as we want. However, she will, act, she will spew us out like. <laughs> Like she, she didn't know us. She, she will spit us out because it's one of the, the one thing the earth has is tenacity. The one thing it has is grit, which you will hear about later. But like the one thing that it has is resilience. So like y'all sit in there be like, save the planet, save the planet. It's really save yourself. But you all know 
the humans don't care about other humans so you're hoping that it will care about something bigger than itself um the bar is the floor if you can't even care about yourself then you know what what can i do the the bar is non-existent really at this point so i'm just saying like do what you got to do or not either way a pandemic is one of the highest latest things to kill the human race so i i would not be surprised if this lasts for for years because if we're being honest if we look at like past pandemics that shit lasted for years so like our idea that this was only gonna be like what was it a month, two weeks, three months, Easter. six months. <laughs> but here's the thing: what? And I know we want to. We we need to choose our words carefully. It's embarrassing because the science and knowledge and technology that we have in present day clearly supersedes what existed during past pandemics or even past epidemics. Absolutely, absolutely. Y'all, y'all are foolish. <laughs> openly unabashedly unembarrassed like you are just unembarrassed by how the entire i i walk into spaces now that i'm in new england it's such a vast difference than california and i'm not saying california is doing well because it's not but i also think (laughs) but i but i will also say i think that's a lot of the overpopulation uh, of California, right? Um, that proceeds, and a lot of people travel to California, which is it's just a breeding ground for virus. I love California, however, however, I'm just saying um, it's not all of them to blame because I will say there, at least in the Bay Area where I was at, people were still wearing masks everywhere you fucking went. Like I would go on hikes, still wearing my mask. Like all this stuff, I moved to New England. No one, no one anywhere. They actually look at you like you are the weirdo. They're sitting there looking at you, questioning like, should I have a mask? And then some people are bold enough to ask you, uh, are we even required to wear a mask? And I'm like, "Uh, does it even matter, bitch? I'm allowed to do that. Even even if they don't have, even if we are outside of a pandemic, now that I have lived through a pandemic, best believe a bitch is wearing her mask. I'm never breathing on the plane. Like I, I think I said this on the episode before. I'm never breathing y'all's crusty ass air again. Pandemic or not, because y'all dirty and nasty, and y'all don't. That is the truth. I I don't want to breathe any of your air any ever again. So yeah, I mean, honestly, that is what I'm bitter about. Well, no, what I'm really bitter about is some other shit, but I can't talk about it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But um, the second thing that I'm most bitter about, yes, is the COVID shit. I, I, I am happy about something. Thank God this bitch was just about to say that she wasn't happy. But what are you a happy hoe about? I'm going through it, y'all, but this is my life. But I'm alive. Anywho, I'm happy because one of two happy hoes favorites, one of our POC business shout outs, um, Chef Nikki um, from Nikki's Kitchen, ATL, 
was a chop champion. So Nikki was just on chopped um, on August 24th and shout out to her. She's a chop champion. I know this has been, a Oh my God. been a dream of hers for years. I've been watching Chopped uh, like loosely, but we all know what Chopped is, so that oh, that shit God. is amazing. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you remember when we were um living together in Iowa. I watched every single episode of Chopped that was on Hulu. Oh yeah, I would probably I be laying on that couch like ran out of that shit, and I'd be like, "Not the apricots, bitch." <laughs> um, yes. So shout out to my girl Nikki. I've known Nikki since high school. That bitch can cook and bake her grill, stir, pour her ass off. Like I haven't had anything that she made that wasn't delicious. So congrats, sis. You deserve it. You've been grinding since we were in high school, probably before that. Um, so shout out to you. We love seeing a young black queen doing her thing. So if you are in Atlanta, hit up Nikki. Um, Chef Nikki's Kitchen ATL on Instagram. This ain't even the POC business shout out, but I'm so happy for my sis. Um, and I think she'll travel too for the right price. So if, even if you ain't in Atlanta, how about your girl? Yes, yes, yes. And look at me, I, selfless. <laughs> I am happy actually for multiple things i just realized this episode will post after our live so one of the biggest happy ho point is that our website is launched and you can go on it at two happy hoes h-e-a-u-x-e-s dot com a bitch we got our own website bitch it will be the best space for you to find all of our past episodes, all the info on it, uh, find helpful ho tips, POC business shout outs, which we have Nikki's Kitchen ATL on there. So definitely make sure to go, you know, click on her stuff. Um, we awesome. have some helpful resources from past shows. Um, and I'm also looking on expanding it as well. Uh, but for right now, that's where we're at because that's all a bitch could do. And shout but- out to our girl, shout out to our girl Rachel. She worked her ass off on this website because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 100 with y'all. That is not my ministry. That is if that is not my ministry. Rachel has worked her ass off on this website. And hey, it yeah, was, it was worth the wait. I will say I think it's a good particularly starter website and maybe, maybe I, i'm just a basic ass bitch uh, to me the shit was superb <laughs> i i think it looks great and i also think you know as we grow there is just always more to come and this podcast pushes me in ways that i really never thought i would put my communications degree to use but here we are um, whole motherfucking business, y'all, and it's crazy. I, 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 I just, I. Yeah, but I will say that is one of my happy home moments. Is that our our website is finally launched? It's amazing. We're gonna use it. Use the. We hope you use it. Okay. And subscribe to our um, newsletter. 
Yes, please subscribe to our newsletter. We promise not to spam you. Um, it is not going to be, you know, every other day we're telling you about some shit, like it's literally going to probably be just every couple weeks or so we send you an update about what we're doing. Cause I can only do so much, but I will say, please sign up. It will be your exclusive all access pass to everything that we're working on to all of our new stuff. Um, and I will say if you, uh, recently subscribed to our newsletter, you, uh, if you read through it, there is a new, uh, post within there that you can participate in and we hope that you do. Um, and that is, you know, yeah. as I said, sign up for our email list. You will get some exclusive pieces that uh, will not yet be on our social media yet. So we hope that you all do it. We hope that okay. you all subscribe and share. Um, but off of my soapbox about, right. So off of my soapbox of, you know, what we're working on, what we're doing, a personal happy ho thing is that I have finally figured out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> Good for you, Fred. I'm still out here questioning. I mean, it could change, but I think I have finally found the, the things, which are two things, which I think I've talked about, like I want to become a doula. Um, so that's number one. Um, start my own kind of doula business or become a part of a collective, whatever that looks like for me in the future. But as folks know, I really want to get into therapy and counseling work. That's, that's my main thing. Mm -hmm. um, so next year I will be applying to MSWs. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I waited with myself. I was going to go through and just get the doctorate, but honestly, I do don't not. Do it, don't do it. It's not even, it's not even that, but I really don't have five years of schooling in me at least, at least five years. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just don't, I don't have it in me anymore and I don't need to have it to get to where I need to be. And that, that was a whole thing that I was weighing with myself of, I could get a PhD. It's not even a question. Like I could do it, like whatever. Exactly. Not, not that I'm making it sound like a breeze, but it's not a question of if I could complete a PhD. It's a question of why would I do it? Um, <laughs> you're not a clown, bitch. I'm a clown. You're not, and we're going to be celebrating you, and you are going to be a doctor-ass bitch, okay? And it, either way, it is a huge accomplishment, and I love you for it, honestly, like my role model right here, because I could not, <laughs> but I aspire. Um, but anyway, long story short, I'm going back to get my MSW. That is... And it's more of a means to an end. So I'm not really focused on really the 
the greatest or Ivy League experience or like the best program in the country. Like that's cool and all, but really I just need my degree. Um, And then I'm going to keep the rest under wraps because I still want to keep some things to myself, but just know there are some things that are going to come out of that, that I hope in the next five to 10 years, I will be working for myself. I will be happy, healthy, and doing the work that I truly want to do. Um, And I think truly called to do. And I don't use that. I don't use that in any wild manner because, you know, I don't believe in in a God like that. So (laughs) I I feel like the universe is calling me to this. Um, And I was talking with, with Kevin and it really just all started to fall together. And I was like, this, this is it. This is what I want to do. So um, I'm just really happy about it. I'm really happy that I finally kind of figured it out because I will say I think I was trying to make a a semblance of something within higher ed that even though I knew I wasn't committed to I I continue because I'm like that's what my degree is in (laughs) and that's no way to live right like I don't want to just keep carrying on to carry on and be like, well, I got my degree in this. So this is where I'm at. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. That's what, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm really happy about it. I feel super grounded. I feel like I have a direction. I feel like I have a vision that I have not had in years like even when I was in grad school um even when I was an undergrad really so this it's just amazing it's just amazing and I'm happy I'm happy so we love to see I'm so proud of my best friend y'all it's beautiful maybe it's the Pisces in me I'm getting a little (laughs) over here um (laughs) yeah I'm, I'm so proud I can't wait to see all the great things that going to accomplish I can't wait for my adoption to be finalized when you and Kevin adopt me and I can (laughs) and I I just love it you know I'll adopt you anytime bitch so take me out I don't want to be an adult no (laughs) but this shit is ghetto Mm. adult is ghetto I want to be let me stop playing on these people's mics Let's take a little break. What up, hoes? So today on our POC business shout out, we're shouting out New Skin, an online hair and skincare business. If you would like to get in touch with New Skin, hit up E-N-T-L-E dot M 17 on Instagram. Let's get back to the show. All 
All right, hoes, what up, what up? We're back with the Real Tea segment. We're excited about this one. It's been a long time coming. We have some special guests on with us today to talk about our Real Tea segment, um, stuck in the Uncle Ruckus mentality. And we'll be talking about respectability politics, um, specifically from our lens as Black women. But without further ado, I will let our guests introduce themselves and tell the people how you know us. All right, what's up, everybody? Two happy hosts, audience. Black in the Field podcast is here. We're happy to be here. I'm TT Lyle Samoran, affectionately known as TT, cultural competency educator, all things learning and development. Yes, I am Kita G, Marquita Gonzalez. I am part of the Black in the Field podcast. I am immersed in recruiting. So I'm out here recruiting good people, good black women <laughs> out here for these great jobs. And um, that's my background. I've been doing that for the past five years. So I'm heavy into the HR field on the recruiting side. And nice to meet the audience out there. Oh, so we got to say how we know how we know each other. Well, yes, tell me. Yeah, you happy hoes. <laughs> yeah, how do we get connected, you know? <laughs> Chelsea is my baby uh, that I adopted when I actually met Chelsea when I went to an old year and then we started talking and we found out we had a lot in common and just randomly one Friday I was like I'm going to call her and see if she wants to have dinner with me because you know you have to pay black women or at least provide them an incentive for their service because I wanted to pick her brain about um, her PhD program and I was looking into a master's program and she agreed and we went to dinner and she has been my baby ever since yes that's my big sis and I had just moved to Raleigh like maybe two or three months so I didn't really have any friends here either so I was so excited Kita yeah um so I am TT, me and TT are sisters. We are sisters in the podcast world, and I got to meet you, Chelsea. So you are now my sister as well, and that's how we are connected. And nice to meet you, Rachel, for the first time. So I'm excited to be on the show. Yes, we are so happy to have y'all. Rachel. Yeah. Rachel, we can't leave you out. Yeah. Rachel's my sister, so by proxy, we just all sisters. Yeah, we're just all. Yes. We just all sisters by proxy. Six degrees of sisters right here. <laughs> oh, that's I like the episode like, for, okay. the, for the future, though. <laughs> hey, right. it kind of is. I'm sick. I'm sick, Rachel, that you moved from the Bay because I love the Bay. And I was like, yes, we're going to go and see Rachel one week. And you moved. And I was like, no. Look, and I was, you know. look girl, if I could have stayed out there, I definitely would. But that job was draining me. Okay. There's no way that I could have stayed out there. Um, but I mean, I'm hopeful for the future because um, it's one of my favorite places. Um, but I'll definitely be coming out to the Bay multiple times. So we should definitely connect. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. But thank you for having us, though, ladies. We are definitely appreciative of you inviting us into our space and your space and we're just happy to be here and finally make this happen 
love we love we love it we're so happy to have y'all's brilliance on here on their podcast they like to talk they shit how we talk our <laughs> shit but we out here educating <laughs> the people so y'all just in here for a good black ass time today um but also to give y'all some knowledge because we know we know why y'all are here so let's just like hop into it so what is y'all's definition of respectability politics Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think for me and how I see it typically or what I kind of center around respectability politics would just be just especially within I would speak to our community, especially like black women, especially just kind of the distancing ourselves from stereotypes. Right. Kind of making sure we enter places and we enter the world and we enter spaces, we kind of like, mm, I can't do this. I can't act this way because it's going to be taken that way. Um, and I kind of look at it like that. I think that's like the, the main thing that I kind of see um, just as we enter the world as black people is things that we have to think about. We do think about just naturally, right? On um, presentation, um, that perception, so that would be my short version of the definition and how I um, take it and understand it. Yeah. So you got something to add, girl? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely that, but also things that we shouldn't do. Not only that um, align with blackness or stereotypes, because a lot of times with respectability politics, it's not even stereotypes, it's just blackness. Right, anything that aligns you or identifies you. Say that shit, queen. And yes. and this idea that in order distancing ourselves from that blackness, well, then there will be some reward, right? That if you present this way, if you follow these rules, this is the only way to advance. And it's just something that black people have to just swallow. Ooh. Oh my gosh. So like with that, so where what are some examples of like how you see respectability politics showing up in like, I'll say like professional spaces, educational spaces, spaces where our identity is not as esteemed as it should be. And when I say our identity, I guess as black people. I mean, it even boils down to what we consider professional, right? Mm -hmm. Especially those of us who had access to, particularly um, if you were raised by baby boomers, right? who were part of that first crop of black people that really, when they started letting us into corporate America in droves and this idea of what even, even, at, and I'm going to be real, even in our HBCUs as, as what's presented. And I think because black people have never been able to make their own rules, we have never just identified for us as a community, what we consider to be professional, right? So again, anything aligned with blackness. So that's the idea that your hair has to be straightened, particularly for headshots bio photos right that your hair has to be straight to, mm. at the interview and then once you get in the job then you can actually show up and present in terms of your hair um texture or styles the way you want to so this idea that we have to you know um even down to how we speak the inflections in our voice the intonation to make sure that we kind of um for lack of better word code switch again all of these things that Again, a lot of times professionalism, when it's applied to Black people, again, is this um, lack of alignment with Blackness or anything that's considered overtly Black. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like just on a recruiting um, aspect, I mean, as many times I've had to go to bat for candidates, you know, on paper, you know, just maybe by the name, you know, they are a black person and their, you know, intellect being questioned. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm not sure we have to do two more, three more interviews. And I've seen their white counterparts not be interviewed that much. Not on that same level, you know, so that whole intellectual inferiority, right? Like we're, we don't know, right? We have to be questioned and, and, and tested constantly, um, even though we're showing up with more credentials, right? Like we're showing up, black women definitely show up with the, the highest level of degrees. And we're always questioned if it's actually, you know, good enough. I definitely agree. And I love that y'all were kind of talking about the institutionalization of it, right? Of respectability politics, but really just anti-Blackness, right? Like, and I even, I was scrolling Twitter today, but I mean, this is nothing new, but um, someone was talking about hairstyles or something like that. And someone was like, you know, I'm not mad I'm not personally offended if like white people want to get like dreads or like braids or whatever, but the, the main difference they were talking about, they were like, even though I'm not personally offended, you're not recognizing that like to them, it's just a fad or like a style choice or like whatever, but not realizing that the institutionalization of anti-blackness, um, obviously if you have braids or like um, certain jobs are like even schools mm. are like you can't have locks you can't you know literally <laughs> wear your hair the way that is naturally growing out of your head or like even wear a protective style because you know that's just what you want to do um, and no one else is policed in that way uh, and I guess I shouldn't say no one else but particularly white people right um or those that are afforded more of a proximity to whiteness. Um, so I really appreciate uh, y'all kind of touching on the institutionalization piece. Yeah, I also think about like what TT was saying about even like the way that we have to speak or thinking about our tone and how we have to deliver communication to people because it could be seen in a let's say air quotes, unprofessional way, or um, we should dial things back so we can fall in line with respect, respectability politics. And like, you can't, can't be yourself. That's cultural. That's, you know, how we are, how we interact, how we communicate, but we have to dial that back um, in certain spaces because of anti-Blackness and respectability politics. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the biggest things biggest hurdles I have um, as a um, training and development, learning and development, facilitating, creating, designing programs, and specifically with um, inclusive leadership courses that I facilitate, because that's the biggest thing is getting other people to understand that just culturally, again, cultural right, with more expression, okay? Um, the, the, our tones change a lot depending on how we deliver things. I mean, we have 10 different ways to say girl, right? Girl, girl, <laughs> you know, you know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times if you're not used to that communication, right, then it's very hard when 
you go into a space, especially when you're dealing with someone who doesn't have to manage you and deserve that, and how certain things are then assigned to that, or adjectives or, or descriptions are assigned to Black people who display that behavior. But in our other counterparts, um, it's, it's lauded, you know? I, I've seen more uh, white men with horrible attitudes advance in corporate America and white women than anyone, and the excuse for Black people are not given that grace. So it's all like, you know, a full full circle thing, Chelsea, in, in terms of what you were saying, and that communication and the tone and all of these things that we have to be aware of that our own community we promote and then kind of, you know, perpetuates this respectability Ooh. politics perspective, so to speak. Girl, and, and that made me think of a time when I was working <laughs> in a, um, uh, like a job where the the majority of us were black um, and then majority black women. And some of the, he talked a little bit about, about boomers or like a different generation. They would always kind of even police like how some of us younger colleagues would interact with each other, whether that be like the volume of our voice or like the way we said things um, because of that mentality. And it was just like, you know, this is, this is who we are. We come with that. Um, intellect we come with the credentials we come with the competence um so policing the way that we act how because you think that we should be a certain way in this space ain't it i mean yeah because it's full black women we and i believe in amongst each other we should tell the truth and that is that you know black people the biggest we were raised by women again they were just doing what they had to do so i i don't i don't fault them I'm just stating facts. Then when you go, like you said, Chelsea, you go into the workplace and you have the older sisters in that environment also perpetuating that. So it, it kind of goes both ways. You know, it's, it's, we, we do uphold a lot of these ideas, but again, it's, it, it goes back to the whole um, idea that we don't feel like we could get ahead if we didn't do those things, right? Or we didn't adhere to those things. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. It's this the notion that you have to do it, right? Like I have to walk into an organization and pretend that I'm colorblind and pretend like things don't bother me and I see, you know, the disrespect and I and I hear the comments. And we're we're trying to some degree, you know, to fall in line. And I think now with this day and age, which is the beauty that we're trying to break those chains, right? And kind of step out and say, no. We appreciate those before us, but we are coming in as we are whole and authentic. Yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely appreciate, like, honestly, so many points that y'all are bringing up. And I, before I guess we get into the next question, because, um, but I was, this just came to my mind, but like, we're focusing on a professional and educational level, right? But I, I think I also see respectability showing up even in interpersonal relationships or like dating, right? And this idea of what a good woman is or a good black woman or like uh, what she's supposed to look like, what she's supposed to act like, what she's supposed to wear, um, how she's supposed to treat her man, how she's supposed to like show up. Um, and really just all of these <laughs> uh, embedded expectations um, 
still still yes embedded in misogyny but i think also embedded in this idea of respectability and in this idea of trying to reach really an ideal that like it was not made for us it's not me it's not made for us um and so yeah i guess i was also thinking about even outside of just professional and education like I be seeing respectability show up, you know, even on the Twitter feed, we, we scroll through or like the clubhouse rooms that be coming up. I don't think anyone really uses clubhouse anymore, but, um, I guess if folks are, but like, I know there's some spaces that be coming up and I'm like, we're really having this conversation right now. Um, and so, yeah, even thinking about, um, how we uphold respectability politics, even within, the relationships that we're trying to create with one another. Yep, I mean, down to like, it's funny you said that, Rachel, because, and I'll just, you know, throw this in there and sis, please piggyback on this. Even like you said, when you need to be a respectable or a good woman, absolutely. And I can even say that in terms of um, the expectations that we put on, on wives, right? And how a lot of women, you know, going to marriages and you trying to live up to an ideal versus what works for you. And then, you know, and you, you, you've kind of chosen a partner based on, again, the ideal that you think you should be and what he should be. And really is who are you? But we're not given the space to do that. You know, it's like, I got to check these boxes. And if I'm these things, that means I'm, you know, whatever, you know, quote unquote wife material or Again, a lot of times, you're right, respectability goes into a lot of stuff. You're, you're absolutely You were going to say something, Kita? <laughs> yeah, and I was picking up on um, basically what TT said. Exactly. And I, you, like you said, you bring up a good point because we don't even, sometimes we don't even focus on that, right? We focus on the, you know, moving into workspaces and moving within education. But yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of people that think, oh, you, you, if you don't wear certain clothing and you don't have, your skirt down to your knees, you're not respectable, you should be going to church on whatever, you know, like this whole thing of what your grandmother used to be. You know what I mean? It's nothing wrong with that, right? She cooked every day. If you want to cook every day, that's cool. That's between you and your relationship, right? If you, y'all like to go out and do this, that's you and your relationship, right? But we tend to say if you're in a relationship, you have to completely cater, right? And just a lot of times just lose yourself, right? And mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you at that point of resentment overall at the end of the relationship because you have put all these burdens on your back and you didn't even realize it because you're living up to this standard. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You don't even have the option. Like, I like what you were saying around, like, it's like, yeah, if you want to cook every day, like, do you. If you want to do all this stuff, if, like, you feel comfortable within the those things like that's that's dope that's you but that's also like your choice and your agency right like I think that's Mm -hmm. the that's the thing like we shouldn't feel restricted to these bounds or these like boundaries of like what's gonna make us like a good person or a good woman or a good black woman or like all of these things when it's like uh can I just be me can I just exist can I can I just like okay it always makes me think of like they're like, can you cook? Can you build a house? <laughs> right. Can you can, can you chop a tree? 
Okay. Can you? Can you? Like, right. what can you do? Right. Okay. Right. It's funny. Nothing. Nothing. Because because so a lot of people to the world, black woman translates to service. And I. Mm. And we're not seeing beyond that. Blue. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whew. I guess so. With that, like. I think that's a good segue to think about because we already we obviously talked a lot about like the interminglings of respectability politics amongst black people and other people of color. So what do you think makes um, or some factors that make respectability politics um, and operating in that so appealing to black people and other people of color? It's it's better than us. Even it's, it's subconscious, you know. It's the aspiration to whiteness. If I somehow align with these ideals, particularly with other um, people of color, uh, other demographics of color, it's this idea again, you know, that you look at um, our our Asian brothers and sisters, right, uh, and, and how they are they are often lauded as the model race, right? Right, the the model the immigrant, the, particularly from from the immigrant standpoint of the model immigrant, you know, the model the model citizen. This is the example of what you should be. So so, and again, a lot of times we won't push back on those those ideals that stem from white supremacy because, you know, there's reward in it, right? Even though even though we may not speak it, there's a reward in being loved as the model the model uh, demographic. So it so I think that's what has a lot to do with it. It's like it's it's reward, you know, because there have been black people who conform to again these standards of professionalism, for professionalism, all of these things, and have been rewarded. So we see those but it's so few. Then that's the thing. That's not the majority. It's just the game they've convinced us to play. And a lot of us end up the majority of us don't succeed, but there are always those few that slip through the cracks and because that system worked for them, then it becomes this, again, this consistent perpetual, you know, perpetuate this idea that this is what the way you should be because it worked for this person. It will work for me. So I really think that has a lot to do with it. We'll say you, sis. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, because anti-Blackness is a global thing. So people are trained and brainwashed to believe as long as you do not align yourself with quote unquote air quote blackness, you'll be okay. You'll be able to strive, especially in the US, right? If you're coming over here um, from another place. And I'll speak to the perspective of my father, um, Puerto Rican man, 100% Puerto Rican, grew up in New York, just to give you some hindsight. He was a fair Puerto Rican. So he aligned with what that standard would be. Like, you're okay because you're lighter and you can move in these spaces and him showing up authentically himself it was it was an issue like he I can give an example he was working at a place at one point in time and this particular manager he's working with had disparaging things to say about black people and he had to check them and it was a shock there right because no you present this way you're not dumb you're not part of that community but he understood his place in this world like no I'm no better, no less, you know, and I'm not going to align myself with that because they're part of my community. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I think about um, this, this idea of like history, right? Like going back to Titi's point around like rewards and mm-hmm. like, not that it was really a reward per se, but I think about like, slavery really and I think about like 
the having to adopt to whiteness or like even folks that were fair skin or could pass or, you know, even after slavery was quote unquote, like unlawful or legal, whatever. Um, but even that, like a lot of folks have had to adopt respectability politics to survive really. Um, and I'm thinking about like, even now, like uh, an element of respectability, like we, I guess, you know, even all of us adopt some, some facet of respectability politics or fit within those, those things. Because as we were talking about professionally, like, you know, I, I got to secure my coin. I got to secure a check. Like I still, I still have to live under capitalism. Capitalism doesn't stop capitalizing. So I'm just like, capitalism uh, everything around me, honey. Right. And so, (laughs) or even education, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah, having to get ahead in some way. And so, uh, I definitely do think about me like, yes, I think some people adopt, I guess, respectability politics for this idea of a reward, but really that reward a lot of the time is just survival. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're conditioned to survive. Uh, if you go back to slavery, I mean, we we had no platform, right? We had to really figure it out. Right. Um, yeah, survival is, is is just part of our community. Uh, so yeah, we we all gonna we're all going to fall in between some type of lines. But then you have to really realize how much of myself am I sacrificing, right? That doesn't mean go quit your job and live on an island and go like, all right, I'm out here doing whatever. No, you gotta figure out what works best for you. But you also are you really speaking to your spirit, right? That's important. Like, are you speaking to your spirit? Like, I'm sorry, you don't have to stay there and be miserable. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah. And, and, you know, in a lot of ways was the reward, right? You know what I'm saying? So much of what we do, you know, remember, like you said, Rachel, going back to our ancestors, they couldn't, we couldn't look, you know, our ancestors couldn't really, you know, look, we can look folks in the eye. So all of these things we do, right, where survival is not the reward, there was a time when actually it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a gift, you know? So the reward was, you know, hopefully if I do this, and I skin a little bit, you know, my kid won't be, won't be in the, the, the line of sight to be sold. You, you know, if I if, if I get in, get in the house, I have more proximity to the master. I, I can maybe hear things first, right? Mm-hmm. So I can, I, can, I can create some kind of defense. So... You're right. You're right. It is. And, and Keita, even what you were saying about, um, you know, just sacrificing yourself, I think because, you know, everything we're talking about is a luxury, right? We just started mm-hmm. talking about mental health. We just started, about, started talking about protecting our peace in the past, what, five, 10 years? Yeah. So it's very much a lot of people a luxury to be able to say, oh, you know what? I don't got to take this. I'm miserable. You know, because so much information so much access, you know, we, we didn't have. So now that we're being more vocal and now we're drawing hard lines, um, we can say that, but th- that is so true. You know, I mean, while we all want to talk, we all work somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we can break like this said, stuff down. We all can, like, get up in the morning. 
Yeah, 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 and work tomorrow. So, you know, which is hard, right? Because then that is key to consistent kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like, you know, you don't want to give sacrifice yourself. You don't have to stay in toxic environments. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, again, it's such a new concept to not do that. You know, yeah. how do we, it's like, well, how do you do that, sis? What you think? I mean, how how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah how do you do that right um you you got to really recognize what works for you so that's more on an individual um journey i think to recognize that because we're not cookie cutter right you know that's what they want to say black women black people are all the same we're not right so whatever that journey is for you you got to really identify that like what really makes you happy right and that goes into a new step and a new journey that we're all learning and we weren't necessarily taught. So that is kind of hard, but it's important, right? That you recognize those moments of trigger. Okay. I'm triggered here. Why is this triggering me? Right. Or is it just some trauma that I haven't dealt with? You know, it's not necessarily someone doing something to me. Right. Cause we got to step back too and look like sometimes everything is not an attack as well. So I look at it like that. Yeah, I would I would agree with that a lot because it obviously is something that has to be intentionally done. And oftentimes it's not just that personal shift. It's also a organizational or cultural shift that you're trying to like curate to be able to show up and make it and um I guess live day to day and not go, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. not go off the rails trying to do that in these spaces um and that that's a lot of work right like it's it's already a lot of work to like you know wake myself up to go to this job and um type real fast and you know not test nobody out but then also (laughs) like letting y'all know this is why I talk this way this is why I show up this way and you know it's it's exhausting yeah, it's definitely exhausting and also not taking on everything, right? Because I think also going back into an environment, being Black, sometimes you feel like you have to do everything, right? I have to do this. I have to take every meeting. I have to do all this work. No, it's okay if it's a hard no. Like, that's not in my wheelhouse. That's above my pay grade, and I'm not doing it. And if they if someone got a problem, oh, well. But if you're being professional about it, right, that's that you're still saving yourself, even though you have to, you know, be in these lines in certain environments. I'm just thinking about all the oh you can go you can no, go no, to no, uh-uh. Uh-uh, uh, <laughs> no I was just thinking about uh all the threads that come up where it's like how do you say fuck you professionally you know <laughs> like uh and all of those things uh or my but, last email yes right yeah, right, right. right right um but you can go, TT, because I I had um, kind of something that's re- it's related, but it's kind of adjacent. So, no, nah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think we kind of rounded it out. I don't really need to add that. I definitely want want to hear what you were gonna say though. <laughs> okay, I was just thinking about uh, also media and how. Uh, that insulates this idea of like what happens if you don't abide by respectability politics, right? Like I think um, we've seen the images of like what people would stereotype as like 
ghetto, poor, like from the hood, black people, or like, you know, we see media um, Mm -hmm. sensations around like folks on welfare or like um, just this idea of the impoverished, like honestly, almost homeless black person. And so, and then there, there's all these stereotypes and there's all these uh, perceptions of blackness or like how they came to be there or like all of those things and this this fear mentality really of like, if we don't adopt these actions, if we don't adopt like these, um, these ideas of whiteness and really it's also a question of who's afforded to even adopt those things. Um, but yeah, this, this fear mentality of like, cause even when we're talking about professionally and stuff like that, like the idea of like, oh, if I, if I don't, you know, have all my P's and Q's and dotted I's and all that stuff in order, like I might lose my job and that's my paycheck or like, and so it's just this embed, embedded nature, really, I think about like, anti-blackness capitalism all of this stuff and like if we don't adopt respectability like we're we're we'll you know be homeless on the street or like I don't know like I I just think like media is a huge factor of what insulates this idea of what what is an acceptable black person Um, We see it all the time, even if it's not even like that tragic, right? But, you know, you'll see like the, I was just watching Degrassi the other day. I don't think, I don't know if anyone's a huge Degrassi buff, but I, I am. So, um, but almost all the black people on there besides Drake, um, but even then still sort of Drake, like all very much like code switch like I don't think I heard like almost anyone use uh use slang use black vernacular all this stuff like definitely propping up this idea of the acceptable negro even best friend um student all that stuff. And I'm just like, damn, how many times have I seen this reflected in the media of like, what is acceptable for me? Um, They're even, you know, one black kid hanging out with all these white kids. And I'm like, what, what is this? Like, I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent now, but I'm just thinking about the media and how this just insulates like further, like how you should act, who you should be in that respectable bullshit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even it comes down to the way that people talk in the media, like uh, what Taylor Swift is saying versus what Lizzo is saying, like just just shit like that. Like we obviously can come up with a lot of examples of how um, this presents itself in the media, in our professional spaces, educational spaces, interpersonal relationships. Um, and I think Keita said it like, you know, we all fall victim to it in some, in some regard, um, in aspects of our life. Um, yeah. But I guess, I guess I want to hear a bit, cause we, I think we covered, we got to the point of, we know that respectability politics is rooted in some idea of achieving whiteness that, you know, we will, we will never 
be able to have. Um, and so I guess, so I guess I'm wondering, um, I, I was thinking about um, how, obviously since respectability politics is rooted in this idea of whiteness, um, how do we feel that respectability politics impacts solidarity among black folks or people of color, right? Because I think I've also seen folks be like, oh, well, don't do, like, if someone gets fired or someone gets punished for, like, being their blackity-black-ass selves, and then someone comes in and is like, and sometimes it's your friends, sometimes it's your family, sometimes it's, you know, obviously people on the internet. And they're like, well, if you just weren't doing that, or maybe if you would have did this, or da-da-da, I think there there's a lot of commentary around that. And so I guess I'm wondering your thoughts around how do we feel like that kind of kind of impacts us coming together as a community? Which I know wasn't on the list of questions, but I thought about it. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, a lot. It goes back to the, everything we've been saying. Though. We, we, we are this respectability politics with the face of it, and, and we perpetuate it. It plays a large role. And until all of the stand, see, can sign it back, right? You know, again, I understand there are some people who that's all they know to just allow you to survival um, in the world. It also a lot of things we do mean survival in the workplace. That's my issue with it. If respectability politics works for you, then so be it. Yeah, I totally uh, agree with that. If it works for you, yes, let let it be for you. And we got to stop. Let people show up authentically like how they are. And we say that a lot. You hear that all over on the internet. Oh, I'm authentically myself. But are you? Because you turn around talking about your friend and XYZ when they don't show up like you. Like, allow people to show up how they are. Like, it's different if someone is being disrespectful, nasty. Okay, you you might want to have a conversation about that. But if this person and this black woman choose to wear her hair a certain way, let her wear her hair a certain way. If she wants her nails a certain shape, that may not be your your type of time, right? Why do we always have to have a, a opinion? We, we love to have opinions. We love to have opinions. There's nothing wrong with having opinions. But if you're ripping someone apart, right, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. And that just goes into the narrative because we already ripped apart. Whiteness always rips us apart, right? It gives us these insecurities and makes us look at ourselves a certain way. So it does not help. And we're not actually learning and growing because instead of saying, hey, you're wrong for that, maybe you can teach this sister, this brother, hey, you know what? You know what I will work for me? Or maybe something you want to think about? Hey, if you see a coworker and you know they're young in their career and they messed up an email, don't say they, oh, look at them. They don't even know what they're doing. Hey, you know, I noticed you you missed this. Hey, let me, you know, show you this or show you the ropes, right? Let's actually give back to each other from our experiences, right? Because we have different places in our lives. So if you learn to don't destroy the person who may be able to process what they're going through, you can actually help them and move them forward. Mm. I actually really like that. It's like a difference in framing, right? Like I think a lot of people come at it with such a judgmental standpoint of like, well, you didn't do ABC, so 
no, that's not the alphabet, but <laughs> you didn't do, no, no, yeah, like you didn't do, a, <laughs> you didn't do ABC. So honestly, you should be punished for not abiding by these arbitrary rules of whiteness. Whereas like, I like this framing of, you know, this did work for me or like even coming from an understanding of like, I understand like wanting and I think that's a conversation that all people of color have at some point right of like uh, particularly in professional and educational spaces of hey look I understand you want to show up in ABCD ways or show up as your most authentic self and we talk about it we say it all the time show up as your authentic self or like da 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 y'all don't want to see my authentic self are y'all talking about mine right or you you don't you don't you don't want that you don't believe that you don't really believe that you are punished and so it's like we throw it around but we don't know deep down inside like if we don't if we don't abide by these rules in some aspect, we we will not honestly achieve our goals. We will, and sometimes we will not survive, right? We will lose that job or like all of those things. And so it's really choosing your battles. And I think sitting down and talking with folks about that is okay. And I also think it shouldn't be a place of judgment of, well, you didn't abide by respectability politics or you weren't an <laughs> uh, Uncle Ruckus in these spaces or an Uncle Tom or like whatever, or, you know, Terry Crews, like, you know, you were, <laughs> it, it's okay. Because <laughs> we all know, but it's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's okay. And I understand the frustration and I, and I feel it. I, I really do. And it's also like recognizing like shit is unfortunate, but like, we gotta, we gotta pick some things to, to, to adopt, unfortunately, in order to live in this world. So damn. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, what, you know, it's funny because yeah, of course, we, we, we have to. We, we need to take more responsibility um, for, for nurturing those babies that are coming out of our, you know, these colleges and and and, and entering the workforce. But this is why I'm such a you know proponent of development, learning development, but from everything we're taught about this world culture, right? And we don't often see people, like you were saying, Rachel, we talk, we do, about showing up as our authentic selves, but how many of us really see authentic black people in leadership? That so part. That. So, then, so then this is why it's important to build, you know, again, equity across all of your processes from the recruitment to your onboarding, right? And then really looking at, even down to diversity, which I, I, I even though I work in this space, I hate the word because diversity, diversity is spaces, right? right? Equity is experience. Okay. So you get 10 black people, but you don't actually tap into the nuances of each kind of black person, right? A black person that's born in the Caribbean mm -hmm. has a much different upbringing than a black person that's born in London, right? That still may be Caribbean, right? But grown up in London, 
Okay, so it's, mm. it's, it's, it's so many nuances within our culture and even in organizations. Again, we look at, okay, I have 10 black faces, but then you don't try to understand the plethora of blackness. And then you don't put a plethora of black people in leadership. So if we only see the black people who uphold all of this respectability politics in those spaces, it's very hard to get the kind of person, get to the kind of person on a job that would do what Keita is saying and reach back, right? Um, and so I think that speaks to it too is again goes back to that do we see that authenticity and that blackness rewarded or mm-hmm. promoted right we don't oftentimes the black person that's the favorite and then again it speaks to some of that I want to be the only one because a lot of us suffer from that you know we're quick to break people down as Keita was saying and say well you should have done this and shouldn't have done that well really you just don't want another black woman here shining and we need to get real about that too Yeah, because it exists Especially if you're young and bright and you come in there serving looks. Mm-hmm. I'm triggered. <laughs> Thank you. No, That's and real. You know stuff, okay. And you know your jump. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Having sense make them even more mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've been here 15 years, sis, and I came in where you are, and you really feel the way about it instead of joining forces. Yeah, that's that that's tea right there. Um in multiple industries and even in these interpersonal relationships. I, I could go on all day, especially about this good woman thing too, honey. When Auntie be like, you can't get no husband like that, but Auntie ain't never seen a husband. Ain't never been married, child. So my what you can get. And don't know nobody that's married. Don't know nobody that's married. It's like, obviously, you ain't getting a husband either. So who am I to believe? (laughs) What is the truth? The truth truth is, it don't matter what you do, how you show up, how much you cook, don't cook, clean, scrub, suck, fuck. Guess what? They only stand if they want to stay. Good night. That's the gag. That's it. And bye. That's (laughs) That's all. And you know what? That actually, I think in it, it fits beautifully into what we're going to go into. But I think about like respectability politics is really no matter what you do, right? Because I even read the story once that was like, you know, Oprah went to this really like luxury, like department store and wanted to get like this expensive bag let's let's say it was a Birkin I don't know if Oprah was getting a Birkin but let's say she was um but it was supposed to be an expensive bag and the person in there was like who the fuck are you black girl like you know what I'm saying like it 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 was still I think I think about like how uh how TT was even saying like you could cook, you could clean, you could literally be every, you could embody or try to embody every piece of what men consider as a good woman, just as you could try and fit into every facet of what educational and professional spaces deem as respectable. And we know it's still not good enough. It will never be good enough because mm-hmm. just being black, just existing as a black person is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
because you have to fit into what they deem. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something else that happens to us a lot of times too. And again, it goes back to that whole playing that game. You know, then it becomes when you don't fit into the stereotype and you're about your business. Now you want to ask me qualifying questions to figure out how I am the way I am. Well, where are you from? Oh, what do your parents do? Oh, what school did you go to? They try to figure you right. out, but they don't uh -huh. actually want to know. Uh -huh. They actually don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then yeah. once they do know, they use it as like artillery against you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am very, um, I have, for me, I have very hard lines when it comes to how much personal information colleagues get about me. Hello, am I here? Hello. Are the deliverables delivered? Okay, that's it. Well, that is all. Is did you have a great weekend? Yes, I did. That's it. We don't need to go into anything else besides that. Yeah, and that's and that's unfortunately taken the wrong way, right? Because it's this whole perception. Mm -hmm. As many articles written that black people are not, they don't share enough. Why is that a baseline for my job? Why? And that's a good. Right. Right. That's always the thing, right? Um, if I'm showing up doing what I need to do, being professional about it, as CC said, deliverables. We really have nothing else to discuss. Only if I choose and only if I feel that the, the relationship is authentic that I'm building with you, mm -hmm. then maybe we can get to know each other. Outside of that, that's all. You, you don't need to know anymore. That's it. And get the people off your daggone timeline. Period. Period. I was literally just about to say that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Get them folks, let me tell you something, get the people email off your phone because after five o'clock, that's your life and your time. And, and, and get them people, them colleagues off of your dag on Facebook and Instagram. They don't need to see you twerking in the Tullam. And matter of fact, keep sit your asses down and stop going to Tullam all this damn Delta going around. I said it. And wear that damn mask and get that damn vaccine. Yes. She said what she said. Okay. And I'll and honestly, uh, last thing I'll say about it, but yeah, I'm thinking about how like the idea of sharing, like, or this idea of uh, uh, corporations or companies or departments being a family. And I'm like, oh, bitch, no. <laughs> I don't want you in my family. <laughs> like, no, I mean, adoption, baby. <laughs> 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 it's like I do not know this family like I I'm just sitting there thinking about like I it's it's an expectation of white people that black people not only give yes those deliverables right but it's also like give their humanity and I, I, honestly not to go back to slavery but it's like having having black people worked enough I just, I, <laughs> haven't we given enough of our humanities? Yeah. So like, yeah. It's the extension, Rachel. It's the extension. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Every, every system is a derivative of slavery. From the police mm -hmm. force, from the FBI, <laughs> to corporate America. It's kind of this, in ODL, School. we call it the infancy. Um, organizational <laughs> development learning, we call it the infancy mentality. And this idea that, individual contributors specifically are peons or are somehow these, your children right Ooh, That's take me to church sis okay so i'm sorry i can see i'll get too deep when i go into this see what that's what we're here for that's what we're here for this is the real tea everything, 
is the extension of that, of the plantation, right? This again, mm-hmm. this is why a, the average white person has an overseer mentality. You okay? know what? It's all, that's what it is. It's man, middle management of the overseers. Hey! Are so E-level and C-suite. Turn your volume up. Take your notebooks out. <laughs> look, look, okay. this... This this is the real tea, okay? Because and I we'll get into resources later, but um, something that uh, one of our friends who was on the show, D Inspire, um, just helped to co-edit a book called Campus Rebellion. Da, 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 da. I'm going to butcher the title, but basically talking about how higher education systems and colleges and universities are based off of a plantation system. And if the biggest benefactors. Yeah. And, and, and they and they doing it to the babies. Like why my baby got to walk on a certain square in the fucking hallway and why they got to raise their hand to go mm-hmm. to the damn bathroom. And you telling them they can't go to the damn bathroom. The policing, the policing. But you know what? We, as much as I love it, we are straying a little bit away <laughs> from respectability politics. So to bring it back, I do want to go off of, and I mean, we've been hinting at it, but, you know, how can people be better allies to Black women specifically when it comes to dismantling respectability politics obviously like we we've covered it's not the greatest um and so how how do we expect support from other people in terms of dismantling uh these ways of being in these spaces Well, I think I'll go back to my point of starting with us. Um, in order to dismantle, I think we have to really take a, a real hard lens in our own community, how we u- utilize that against each other, right? How we weaponize that. So as we as Black women, we show up and look at another Black woman as our ally in organizations, in these places that we enter, and we form a coalition then we can stand, I think, as a united front, will it ever be perfect? Will ever, it's always going to be not perfect. It's going to be lines in between. But, you know, if you go, if we sit in that mentality that it can only be one, right, in everything that we do, then we're not helping other people to teach other people how we need to be taught, right? Because then that person that is going to go to so-and-so over here and she going to have opportunity to, to say, some disparaging things about black women and you're going to listen to it as a black woman. That's a no, no. Right. So we got to get into really uniting and working on those relationships starting off. Absolutely. What do you think TT? Uh, my sister, my sister hit the nail on the head. She's absolutely right. Um, She's right. Particularly from that recruiting perspective, she and I, we talk, he and I have talked for years, even before we got into business together. Um, we've been sister friends for over a decade, and we've had so many conversations about this. And it's true in coming in to the organization and her working with candidates and kind of, you know, having a fight for them. And then you going in and wanting to form an alliance. Because I'm going to tell you, nothing is more disappointing than when you have your first experience with a Black woman in leadership and you're disappointed. And she's a monster. 
Oh okay. my God. And you've been looking forward to this and she is just poised and elegant. And you're like, oh my God, it's a black woman school manager. And you done stalked her on LinkedIn. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to have my chance. And this is going to be great. And you show up and she hell on wheels. Holy and it's a hard shit. thing to admit. It's a hard, it's a hurtful thing. And I don't think we talk about that enough about how we mm-hmm. look for some of these sisters to help us. You know, even if it's just, if she don't even acknowledge you. The Because I don't work problem. with some of them. They don't even acknowledge you. And it's like, dang, it's just you and I. So really, to, to, to speak to what Keita was saying, absolutely, is being an ally, you know, and, you know, and then being an ally, even if that young woman doesn't, or that woman doesn't present the way you do. I, Have a front. Look, you are, you are speaking all the shit. I... <laughs> I I personally have never experienced a shit black female like supervisor, thankfully. Mm-hmm. However, at um, one of my former jobs, there was a person and honestly, so we had created a like black affinity space for the professionals. And at the, at the space, there was only like six of us. And all of us were like entry-level professionals. And then there was one like leadership, like someone in leadership, like an associate director. And she, I remember her being in the space one day. And especially because she's, she's a black woman, she's queer. So like everyone was so excited for her to come in. And I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. let's connect with her. Tell me why we're in this space and we're, you know, venting about all the all the bullshit that, you know, we're dealing with and like all this stuff. She comes in, she's like, well, you know, I, I sit with a lot of people at these tables and they really, they really, you know, beat themselves up over over making these decisions and like they they really take their time and like really want to and I'm like not not this not this girl (laughs) not this girl sitting here and so we're all sitting there by the end of the meeting like none of us are speaking anymore because she's literally just defending all these white people to the death and I you know, she gets off the call finally, and then we're all kind of sitting there in silence. And then someone was like, so uh, do we want to talk about? And I was like, just say it. She's, she's like, she's a respectable ass Negro. Like, we cannot trust her. Okay. She is stuck in the Uncle Ruckus mentality. Like, we cannot trust her. And they were all like, I'm glad somebody said it because, like, from that moment on, like we could just see her true character and we're like wow you would rather choose whiteness than defend these people that honestly are desperately looking to be in community with you are desperately looking for someone in leadership to be able to to make some moves to use their power to to make things more bearable for us and you would rather choose the the oppressor and I'm just like, why? Like, and, and I think about it all the time and we know why, but I just think, you know, we know that it gets more isolating as you move up the ladder, 
but I need folks to not use that as this weird competitive scarcity mindset of like, I gotta, you know, I got here, I gotta protect my spot, you know, da da da. That that's one mentality. And the other mentality is like, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I'm not gonna put anything on the line for y'all. I got here, y'all can get here too. And yeah. Bleh, bleh, I hate it. Grow <laughs> the fuck up. Yeah, y'all. I mean, that's really what it is. It's just really addressing all of the things that we do to uphold this. And then, you know, just kind of, again, like you said, reframing and relearning how, how, how to deal with this. And it's, it's, it's wild. It's really just wild. I mean, I have had that black woman monster supervisor boss. I think I've talked about it on the show before and it was a very humbling experience for me. And I, I'm grateful almost that it actually happened in my first professional job because I was able, now I'm able to, you know, deal with anything that comes at me. Um, but also I know who I don't want to be now that I'm getting up to that space. Um, but also I know like what I'm not going to tolerate either. Cause like back then I was young or, (laughs) younger and you know I I, I was fresh out the gate but now I know like you know and then it makes it almost makes me feel sad for for her in a sense because you know sis is you know get out get out sis (laughs) Jordan Peele you know uh he's trying to make he's he's trying to tell us something me and my friend always talk about how we gonna one day write a book about her, but like, yeah, it it, it was it was a humbling experience, um, but it it made me stronger and it it made me like who I am now professionally, but also personally too, like, cause like you, we can say that that shit don't affect us, but but it affected me. And absolutely own that shit. Like those, not only do we have to work in these toxic ass work environments. But then, like, one of the main reasons why people leave is because of their supervisor or lack of supervisor support. And thinking about how much that even hurts double fold from a Black woman, like, nah. Chelsea, your homegirl say hi. Yes, we have another guest star on the show today. (laughs) Girl, she look like looking around i was like i'm recording she's like is that on chelsea and on kita hey girl she can't hear we we love we love a queen a queen in training y'all that's our queen in training yeah yes so since we were talking about like um you know this this space um about being allies um let's let's bring it back to centering our own experience um and what what we can do and how we can show up so like as black black women how can we rise above these politics in the spaces that we're in and how we operate in our day-to-day lives Kita, what you think boo yeah so i think i kind of touched on it so for my approach is definitely making sure that I'm approachable as far as not 
making someone have the experiences that we talked about, right? Not because I'm seasoned in my profession and someone walks in the door, I'm already like, mm, okay, what are they about? How are they going to contribute? Like, I, I want to be the person that when you walk into the organization, you look like me, we come from similar environments, that I'm more so am a reference to how the atmosphere is, right? Like, give you guidance, try to, you know, understand what your needs are, try to reach out. Because a lot of times you walk in these environments, and even though you might go through a new hire orientation and things of that nature, typically it's corny, new hire orientation. They're not really talking about what they really need to talk about, right? And they're not even really pairing you. I think people should be paired with mentors, right? And it's cool to have a mentor that looks like you as well, right? So you can, you know, it's relatability, right? If you see somebody that looks like you, you're going to gravitate towards them anyway. So just trying to have that mentor mentality when I am engaging with other Black women who might be younger or might not even be younger, just because just my perspective is different, we can always learn something. So that to me is rising above what the office politics are set to be because it's very surface when you walk in the office. Hey, this is so-and-so. This is your new colleague. They'll be sitting over here, X, Y, Z. They might take you to lunch or not, right? That's not enough, right? Just don't sit back in the background like, oh, it's just a new person coming in. Like, it's important that you extend that olive branch um, in order to move the politics, because you never know where that person's mindset is at. They can come in and, and really create something in the organization. You guys can create something, right? It, it could be something that's beneficial and have a standing point and someone can come in and, you know, you have a guideline now. You know, we've created organizations, um, maybe it's, especially for women of color or, you know, when they come to the organization and have like this blueprint. A lot of organizations don't have that sometimes, you know. Like, I would love to, something I thought about, like, have a Black woman recruiting um, coalition. I don't even think something is out there like that. You know, things like that, right? Really changing the narrative on how we walk into these spaces. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that shit. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like rising above, yes, it's definitely um, everything that that's just said, and then, you know, ensuring that we try to influence, uh, uh, for me, from, from my side of the house, just, I'm always thinking about, as Keita said, new hire or onboarding is often very corny, and it doesn't speak to the work culture for that organization, because even though you're in the same industry, you may have been in the same industry, every organization is different, and kind of what are the intangible expectations? And then as a Black person, how do you navigate these intangible expectations like we talked about a few minutes ago? This idea that, okay, it may be an intangible expectation that you go to these after-work pointless functions that we don't need to have because y'all are not my friends. Mm -hmm. Y'all are my coworkers. And I have people to drink with after work that I actually like and love. So I don't need to do this with y'all. You know, <laughs> like it, but then it you want to move up. The things you do if you go to the company picnic you come to the christmas party it's it, or just even just small things you know like you were saying doing things that sometimes are above our signature line or not a part of our job description because the person our predecessor did it so again there's also the expectation that you of the work culture but then kind of how do we navigate and rise above you know um 
the expectation of your predecessor because that's a headache too when you come into a role and maybe your the former person your predecessor was there for a while and did things a certain way and everybody's accustomed to that so, so many different things that go into that so definitely you know having a mentor definitely understanding and having an in-depth understanding of workplace culture and then um finding ways to kind of control what you can control so to speak right like if you if we, everybody's not going to leave corporate america and start a business and be an entrepreneur and even the entrepreneurship there's a whole nother side of that that nobody's talking about in their tweets and their memes right so if we're going to remain in this space what you can control you can control your hair you know, it's illegal for people to comment on your hair, for your for your manager to make comments and assess your performance based on your attire or your appearance. That's a problem. Familiarizing yourself with that employee handbook, because a dangerous black person is a black person that understands HR policies and procedures. Hey. Boop. <laughs> it's, it's, Look, it's no, you're, <laughs> you're, you're so right. No, you're literally they speaking so it. much truth. Yeah. They hate. They hate. I, I, you know, yeah. This is so, uh, this is related but unrelated about showing up in the space. But ever since we've been in this virtual space and now I'm transitioning back to like in person work, I don't want to wear no fucking bra. So, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm about to wear these soft bras. You might see a little nip nip. And I was like, I dare somebody to say something to me. HR. Arms budman. Right. Why are you looking at my nips? Yeah. Don't be looking you at fucking me. weirdo. Don't be you looking at <laughs> y'all. Y'all got the right one. Say Sexual something. harassment. Say bitch. <laughs> but also, like, like I mean, so it's, it's funny. Not- it's funny, but it's just like that's a piece of respectability politics going to work mm-hmm. in, in a not structured bra. Mm-hmm. But I still, I'm still smart. I'm still brilliant. I still know how to do this job, and I know how to do mm-hmm. it damn well. So why the fuck does it matter? But that's not how people see it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. You but go. I'm gonna show up in my soft bra because I'm tired. The underwire must Your be abolished. Let it go, cause I want them to be free. Absolutely. Okay. Like let the titties, uh, you know, be be out there, be out in the world, you know. We only have so many non-bra years left. Actually, no, I take that back. Even if even if you're like 60, don't wear that bra, girl. You don't need to. But <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to derail us. It was it was somewhat <laughs> no, but I because it's a part of respectability, right? Like this, this idea. Because we're we're talking about the the policing of black women. That's really what it is. Like these policies in which black women must mold themselves into to be considered redeemable, to be serve their humanity, to um, get get ahead. Uh, to survive really so like yes it's a small thing when we think about the grand scheme of respectability politics is a fucking bra but like yeah it starts as a bra but where does it end mm-hmm. like it ends mm-hmm. hair. you know it ends at your hair my 4c hair is my protest like, i love hey know. When I go, when, when young sisters come into my organization and they see me, they, I love your hair. I was afraid to wear my hair, but I see you wear your hair. Wear your hair. 
bring your head because see they can't take nothing away from me that's in my head mm -hmm. you comment on that you know again and, and so that's that's what it is it's I mean, you rise above that by knowing what you know, really being an employee handbook, understanding your organization's policies and procedures, having a basic understanding of EEOC policies. You can go on the website, you can Google this people. These are these are, use the tools that they've set in place right in your favor. Let me tell you something. They don't play with me and my organization because they already know you come to me, you better have facts and receipts because I got it. I got every email that's been sent since the day I joined this organization. Don't play with me. And I got folders for all y'all because I don't- Folders, period. That's all. Literally. <laughs> Those receipts. A receipt, honey. Receipt. Leave <laughs> this show with anything. Keep your motherfucking receipts, bitch. Because no, that is- that is one piece of documentation that sometimes is really in between you keeping a job and not keeping a job because some white people want to be on their white shit. So keep keep those receipts, sis. Um, but I did want to talk as a black woman, like how can we rise above these politics? And I definitely agree with what what everyone was saying. And I also think it's just like powerful and i don't know how many people in senior leadership or how many business owners or ceos or whatever listen to this they probably don't but whatever anyway i just think it's so powerful that once you reach that level to really try and embody that authenticity for yourself like i know there's always a fear of losing your job. There's always a fear of, you know, losing social capital, all these pieces. And I'll also say that some of that is probably a trauma mindset because we had to grow up as Black women in capitalism, just Black women in general. Like a lot of that is like, once we get it, we got to hold on to it because we'll never get it again. And we got to we gotta keep it as, as long as possible. And I, I just want to say like, once you get to that level and, and this goes back to Titi's point, like definitely understand that employee handbook, definitely understand HR. And also understand that like, once you get to that level of leadership, or at least somewhere where you can feel comfortable. And I think particularly because I think a lot of black people start off wanting to make change, you know, like I don't think those monster supervisors set out at first to be like, I want to, <laughs> I want to protect whiteness and I want to be the most respectable ass Negro around. Like, I feel like a lot of people did enter in whatever career path they did thinking like, I want to rise the ranks because I want to make change and I want to do, you know, the shit that I, I never got or I never saw. And I think some, some people do get, you know, because of all the shit that we're put through, once we get to that level, I think we lose sight of why we wanted to get there in the first place. And I think, you know, different people have different motivations. Maybe it was really just money and status. Cool. But I think deep down, a lot of people are like, I never saw someone that was in a position like this. And so I want to get there. And then once they get there, yeah. where are you? You know, and so really just kind of drawing yourself back to, to why you 
kind of worked yourself there in the first place or you know what imagine imagine someone else is out there also wanting to do that you know i just even if it's not just to be a decent as black human being and like be a mentor or be a role model i think it's just a just a piece of like you know damn like help a sister out so i don't know there's that and i i just think like once you reach that level once you reach you know a, a level of leadership or a level of comfortability and you've made these relationships you've you've established yourself you know i'm not saying this for the entry level professionals i'm not saying this for people that are working their way up <laughs> I, i'm saying this for people that you know are there for example, the person I was talking about, an associate director, like, yeah, you're not fully there yet. And I guess if you have plans of presidency of a college, cool, but I doubt it. So like, with that, <laughs> you're, you're now here. You, you do not need to confine yourself, sis. What? You okay. don't need Get to. Get out. Get out. It's like we don't need no, to to simulate the sunken place no more. We can get out of this. <laughs> we can get out of I don't it. Know, so I don't know no other way, Rachel. I don't know any other way, Rachel. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, I know because just like we develop habits in our personal life, work life is a habit. Your career mm-hmm. profile develops a habit, and oh, I'm not going to get too deep. But <laughs> but you develop habits. Right. And just like we create a, a, a world presentation, right? Um, Keita, I'm sure you see it in recruiting, right? It's like, who are you really? All right. Now you're in the interview. I have your resume mm-hmm. in front of me. No, but who are you? You know, so it's kind of well, like, yeah. Rachel, I they love asking that shit. You're so right. Yeah, Y'all don't really right. want to know who this is. They'll be like, tell me something that's not on your resume. It's like, bitch, I served you what you needed to know. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. know me. Mm. yeah you're right you're right you know it's like they just don't they don't know any other way that way has worked that way has worked that's guided me here so they need someone again who is a representative in where they are looking to go so this is the ad maybe a director or a black woman on that level or you know a male that is showing up their authentic self and see it work you know what I'm saying? Think about it. That's why, you know, black men love Jay-Z, right? He's the, he's the, mm-hmm. he is the personification of a hustler. This is what the whole point of selling drugs is to get to this point, right? Or at least that's the lie we tell ourselves. Is we're mm-hmm. doing this for a better life. He's the definition of doing this for a better life, right? We have that example. They have that hustlers has that as an example. A lot of these black CEOs, they don't have an example of a black person that shows up like us with their natural hair. We, we, hey, baby, I'm here. We got the curves with the hips, with the with the certain looks, nails. Okay. Out. All of a sudden, that people, everybody, everybody, right? Everybody loves hoop earrings. I remember the time you were told you didn't wear hoop earrings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, so it that you know now they in vogue in L magazine and everybody loves hoop earrings. We were called ghetto for hoop earrings. And if you had a pair of name earrings, okay. Oh no, you ain't getting no game name earrings. Them that's for that's for them yo girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Now all these white women own Etsy shops selling names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You walk yeah. around with a nose a nose piercing and something wrong with that. Now, why? <laughs> why can't I have a nose piercing? Like I'm so afraid. This is this is an off topic, but even like <laughs> I really want to get a neck tattoo, but you know. Uh, you know, like what? What do you do? What do you do? So, yeah. I, you know, that that's just where we're at. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I had to have a developmental conversation at one t- uh, um one time with a um a member of middle management. You know, she I'm white with red hair. I know what it's like to be discriminated, and I had to tell her. And you're sitting here with four sleeves, one, two, three, four sleeves. Red? Red hair and, a- and, and and right, right, and <laughs> look where you're sitting with your sleeve with your four sleeve tattoos. Not the gingers forming their own social movement. Ginger lives matter. And I and I just and I just pointed to my tattoos and I said, Look where you're sitting. I'm gonna head out. I don't see a single black person in here with a sleeve tattoo that's in a management position. Y'all heard it here first. The persecution of fucking gingers is obviously on our radar. So here, here, you heard it here first. The gingers are being prosecuted um, or pu- persecuted. Listen, the way, that's a mild conversation, Rachel. That's a mild development conversation that I like literally. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, and every tattoo you have is out right now. <laughs> right. But that's still not as disrespectful or not <laughs> as unrespectful or disrespectful as black skin. There you go. That's the point. Yeah, right. That's the point. Yeah. Okay, you remember when we, we 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 came into the workforce, Keith and I? When you could wear your tattoo, nobody on Uncle Draw could know you had a tattoo. Nobody. When I first came into corporate America, I used to cover my ankle tattoo with makeup. Now it's almost like an edgy thing, particularly in like the tech world or like you know corporate mm-hmm. with millennials. Like everyone's like, ah, oh, you're cool, you're edgy. Like, it's huge it's diversity. It's diversity. It's yeah. diversity. I work in clinical research for a global clinical research organization. Mm-hmm. See, they, they try to use that as a, as a diversity tip. Oh, we have people that look different. You have white people with tattoos. You don't have any black people with a whole lot of tattoos. <laughs> Let it go. Let Wrap it up. Pack it up. You know, we're, <laughs> we're done here. Yeah, um yeah, but I I really I really appreciate y'all and I really um thank you all for coming on for coming on the show. Um I guess I, I do want to transition. Y'all need it. Yes, I I really want to transition into resources. So that's like a huge thing that we're trying to do in terms of like all these topics of like What's helped you around respectability politics? You have books, media, people you follow, um, anything that you feel like has helped you work through 
respectability politics or would help someone else. Black in the field podcast, of course. <laughs> right, sis? Black in the field podcast. There you podcast. go. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Come on. That is the resource. Season two, season two premiere Monday, September 13th. So you'll get all of these gems we drop and even more from the recruiter perspective with Marquita and from the cultural competency and learning and development perspective for me. Um, we talk about all of these things and then some we break down, we give um, these topics, we give advice on how to handle certain issues because as we know, human resources people, the last gem I'm going to give you is not for the interest of the employee and specifically the individual contributor. Human resources is designed to protect the interests of the organization and once mm -hmm. they see that no wrongdoing has been done on the behalf of the organization, they are done and at that point it's just dressed up referee so it's no point going to them if you don't have a paper trail. Okay? So we know that our people don't feel protected by human resources in corporate America. So that's why mm -hmm. and I come in the Black in the Field podcast from my perspective. Um, I'm blessed to have had, yes, I've worked for some monsters, but I work for some amazing Black women. And I have some mentors. I'm actually, my, my very first Black manager is my dear, dear friend. And she is amazing. Um, she does big and great things in the real estate space. And she's just truly a resource. I have several um, black female resources from cultural competency educators to HR professionals that I can lean on. So I'm blessed in that area. Um, follow Black in HR. Black in HR is on IG and it should be, it's definitely on LinkedIn. Black in HR, if you're an HR professional, it's a great way to network with other black people in HR. But not only that, they give great resources that are specific to um, the BIPOC, so black identifying people of color. So those are just a couple of resources. Sis, what you got? Yeah, um, for me, uh, just as far as the recruiting field, it's unfortunate, like I said, I need to go on and create something because <laughs> I have not seen anything that's just black focused in recruiting um, overall. But uh, just people that I've I've geared to, I had a great um, mentor as well. Her name is Demetria Stewart that I work with in HR. Um, I just talk to her periodically. Um, she's part of the National Coalition of 100 Black Women here in the Washington, D.C. area, just very um, involved in her community. So that's somebody that I actually uh, follow and talk to um, personally. So just having that good mentor, that's important, y'all. And save them emails, please. Paper trail. <laughs> Don't go without the facts. Okay, paper trail, no CI. No, definitely not that one. No. Not that one. Not today. No, no TI. <laughs> no, no, no. We gonna, no. Leave, we gonna. You know what? You know what? We gonna let you have it, Atlanta. <laughs> I said no TI. Well, I that, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's part of it. If that's what you want to be on, be on that. But I, I would advise otherwise. Because you be out here sounding like a living color. You know the character. <laughs> anyway, okay, so. I definitely oh feel that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thank y'all for having us, man. Thank y'all for blessing us. Thank you. We hope your audience, y'all got some good information. Follow us on Instagram at Black in the Field Podcast. Follow them yes. at Season 2. Absolutely. Yes, follow us. You can also follow us individually. I am at Kita G on Instagram. And go ahead, sis. What's your personal one? Oh, um, Culture Griot culture, Griot, G-R-I-O-T. 
And then um, Somarin, my last name, S-O-M, is in Michael, O-R-I-N. I'm sure Chelsea and Rachel will plug that in. Yeah, well, absolutely. absolutely plug it. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, so. we will definitely do it. But we yeah. appreciate I mean, y'all and- so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having Baltimore and Brooklyn. <laughs> Atlanta. hey hoes we now have a new way for you to connect with us our website www.twohappyhoes.com is a one-stop shop to view all of our new and past content resources and guest info from each episode a collection of all of our poc business shout outs merch and more our website is the next best way to connect with us outside of social media and do you want an all-access pass to everything two happy o's related I know I do sign up for our email subscription where we can send you our podcast snapshot filled with exclusive glimpses of all of our upcoming episodes, new content and special announcements before anyone else. So head over to www.twohappyhose.com today to check us out and connect with us again. That's the number two happy hose H E A U X E S.com. We can't wait to hear from you all. Hey hoes, we want to hear from you. Yes, you. We want to hear your recommendations and suggestions for segments such as you don't need them sis, white people are not okay, or hashtag Wapano and the real tea. We all know there's a man being trash or a white being white somewhere. So we would love to hear from you all about what you're seeing. And if you have a topic you want us to cover for a real tea segment, let us know. So feel free to connect with us and send us your ideas at twohappyhoes at gmail.com or on social media at two happy hoes on all platforms. That's the number two happy hoes, H E A U X E S. We'd love to hear from you all, and we're looking forward to your submissions. And with that, let's get back to the show. Yes. Well, that is the end of our show. So keep it classy and sometimes trashy hoes. Bye.